0: our series, Coffee Mug Christianity. You know, and we kind of talked last week about it's just not enough to put a piece of scripture on a coffee mug. It's just not enough to take a piece of it, put it on a coffee mug, t-shirt, bumper sticker. And one of the things I mentioned last week was, you know, I thought I was a hoarder and, you know, because I had 49 49 different coffee cups in my house, and I come to find out I've had a couple people tell me that I'm not even close to the number that they have. So praise God for that. <laughs> I'm not as bad of a hoarder as I thought I was. But uh, anyways, <laughs> moving forward, you know, we, uh, one of the things we got to look at when we talk about coffee mug Christianity. You know, we we put these verses on a coffee cup, or we put them on a T-shirt. And we see them inside uh, sporting events and everything else. And we got to ask the question, do we really understand what the verse means? And besides only, not only understand what the verse means, is that verse really affecting or changing our lives? Is, is it really doing what God's word is supposed to do in our life? Or do we simply have it on a coffee mug because, hey, I like this verse, so I'm going to have it on a coffee mug or a bumper sticker or a T-shirt? You know, and we've always got to know what the context is of the verse, you know, reading what's before it and what's after it inside the verse. Um, And and it kind of helps us so that we don't twist it or we don't manipulate God's word, you know, so that it fits our own agenda or fits our own possible, well, this is what I believe and I'm just going to take this little piece of scripture because it means that much to me, you know, understand the full context and letting God's word actually change and affect your life. And we started off last week with John 3.16, which, you know, all of us know the verse, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And, and, and you think about it, we talked about the world, and it's not that world where we're all sitting around a bonfire singing kumbaya, you know, as much as we like to think that that's the world that God loved, we know that God also loved that sinful, that dark world You know, that sinful, the sinful flesh that we're in. God still loved us that much. He loved us that much that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever. And we really talked about the whosoever, and I admit that I'm a whosoever. And I really like the word whosoever because I just think it sounds cool. You know, it sounds better than whoever or whomever. You know, I'm a whosoever. Whosoever sounds better than I'm a whoever, you know. Um, And we come to find out that all of us are whosoever's. Because all of us have been in that dark place, and all of us have that sinful flesh that, that we live in, and we'll even get a little more into that today, because none of us are perfect. And even the Apostle Paul today is going to tell us that he's not perfect, and we know he wrote most of the New Testament. But then it goes on, it gives us that hope in John 3:16, that who, whosoever believeth in him will have eternal life. And that's that hope we have that we'll spend eternity with Jesus. Now, now today's verse, you know, as we talked about, I want to make sure that people don't twist verses. Today's verses, there's a part of today's verse that I guarantee you see all the time. You see it in motivational pep talks, you see it in motivational uh, posters, you'll see it on coffee cups. You'll see it in gift cards or on cards and everything else. And what it is is taking a little piece of today's scripture and making three, four, or five words of it so much bigger than what it actually is. And it really takes it out of context from what the verses say. So if you have your Bibles, we're in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 12 through 14. If you don't have a Bible, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. As a reminder, the scripture will always be up here on the screen, and if you're watching online, the scripture will also be on the screen for you watching online, and if you watch online, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you being here with us. However, don't let you being here just watching a video or watching live replace you being connected to a local church. You know, we're supposed to not forsake meeting together, so I encourage you to make sure you continue getting connected to a local church, whether it's here or someplace else, You know, I know there's people who watch online. We have followers in Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, Canada, and throughout the U.S. So there's no way that they can meet here but get connected to a local church someplace. Amen? Amen. So let's go ahead and read Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus, amen. Heavenly Fathers, we dig into your word today. Lord, I ask that you open up our hearts to receive what it is that you have us to receive Open our ears that we may hear your voice, and Lord, may you be glorified through it all and make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Now, and now, if you haven't figured out in almost a year that I've been here, I'm a sports guy. Man, I like sports. I like everything about sports. Of course, now that I've gotten older and in a different shape, I'm, I'm still in a shape, not the shape I want to be in, but I'm in a shape. Um, <laughs> I can't do the sports I used to do, but I'm a, I love watching sports. I love watching everything about them, and I, I really enjoy it. And, and I was so happy recently when the Summer Olympics were on. Um, I really enjoy watching the Olympics. The, the Summer Olympics are, are a lot of fun. I like the Winter Olympics, but, you know, I'm one of them, I like the odd sports that are in the Olympics. You know, like with the Winter Olympics, I like watching curling, you know, I don't totally understand, but when them people are going crazy with them brushes, I think it's just so neat, you know? Or the cross-country skiing, when they're going to cross-country skiing, then they got to stop, shoot a target, get up, and ski another 20 miles, everything, and it's a race, and then stop and actually hit this little target, you know? It, it's, and unfortunately, the sports like that, you've got to be up at 3 a.m. to watch because they don't show it's not a prime time kind of thing. And just like the Summer Olympics... What do you see on TV? You see track and field, and you see gymnastics. Well, as someone who wrestled in high school, I love watching wrestling. So watching the wrestling, I either had to be up at 3 in the morning, or this year, because it's becoming more popular, it was on like 10, 11 o'clock at night. Um, even the NCAA wrestling tournament, they actually had it on 10, 11 o'clock at night. So it's getting a little closer to prime time, not quite there yet. But the one thing I've noticed with reading the New Testament and reading with the Apostle Paul, is he makes a lot of sports references when he writes. He he uses a lot of different sports references as he writes, you know. And you think about it, he probably would have been watching a Monday Night Chariot Showdown or something, you know, back in the day, <laughs> you know, because he seems to be a sports guy. And you really see this in First Corinthians when he's writing to the church in in Corinth. He actually says this. In 1 Corinthians 9 verses 24 through 26, don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize, not everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. Uh, Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. So, you know, modern version of one who boxes beating the air, shadow boxing. You know, he talks about runners running the race. He talks about, you know, how they have to work out and they stay disciplined in everything that they do. So, so you see, he, he talks about sports. And I think Paul's faith included things like that. It included running, boxing, wrestling. remember, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, wrestling, striving, fighting, and none of which would end until he was with Jesus again, until the day of Christ. It was something that was going to be ongoing. And in today's scripture, the words that are most often used, if you look at the NIV version, is this right here. I press on towards the goal to win the prize. We've probably all seen that. I press on. Oh, you got to press on to the goal. You got to win the prize. That's what we hear all the time. And it's people taking this, con- this scripture out of the actual context. You know, it's used in motivational talks to athletes. Hey, I've done the same thing coaching. Right, we need to press on. We, we've got this goal that we want to achieve. We need to not look back. We need to continue to go forward and used it in a motivational sense to try and get people fired up to go do something. We've seen it on some coffee cups, but you see winning the prize isn't the ultimate goal. Winning the prize is not the ultimate goal. And we must remember, just as Paul, that the effort wasn't for his own merit. Everything the apostle Paul did and everything that we do Should not be for ourselves. It should be for Christ. It should be what we're doing for Jesus Christ. And as we trust in God's grace, you know, knowing that God's grace is big enough to keep us going. Because even the Apostle Paul, you think about this, when he's talking to the Philippian church, they had these Judaizers that were still there. And the Judaizers were both Jew and non Jew Christians who believed that the Old Testament Levitical law was still applicable for Christians today. And they were highly motivated about, oh, you still gotta go by the Levitical law and you gotta get circumcised and you can't eat pork and you can't do all this different stuff. And they took God's grace out of it. And the Apostle Paul is basically saying, no, you don't need to do that. It is a race that you have to run. And it may sound hard. And you know, doing that, you know, oh well, if it's works-based, I can get there because I know what to do. And it's not works-based, it's grace-based, and through our grace that we receive from Jesus, we will do the work. And we know that the the Apostle Paul, everything he did was to be like Jesus. Everything that we do should be more and more to be like Jesus, to live a more Christ-likeness in our day each each and every day. And understand, even the Apostle Paul, he knew that he could seek because he was sought. He was already sought out. He he knew that he could be grab hold and and that he could keep going because he was grabbed hold of. You think about Saul, who became Paul, riding into Damascus, knocked down and blinded by Jesus. Jesus took a hold of him. And all the apostle Paul is trying to do is take a hold of Jesus the same way Jesus took a hold of him. And I wish we could do that. That we could take a hold of Jesus the way Jesus took a hold of us. And that's what we're called to do. Serve him, do what he calls us to do, and count that cost. There's a cost to following Jesus, but we gotta be willing to accept that cost to follow him. Not just what we wanna put out there, but everything he's got for us. You know, and you think about what Paul's saying here. It it could be hard for someone to say, you know, well, that's kind of hard. There's a lot of people who will say that, oh, the Christian life is too hard. There's too many rules. There's way too many rules to be a Christian. Yes and no. There are rules, but we have grace because we're all going to fall short. None of us are perfect. None of us will ever be perfect. Perfect. And we all know the gospel is much more than a smiling presentation. It's much more than someone saying that the gospel is going to give you health, wealth, and wisdom. Which there are people who preach the gospel is going to give you health, wealth, and wisdom. But that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And too many people will fall for that because it's the easy way out. It's easy to just say, well, okay, I'm saved. I accepted Jesus Christ, I'm safe. And that's a nice, easy way to do it. But is that what we're called to be? No, we're called to be more Christ-like in everything we do. You'll have people that, you know, Paul here, he's addressing to those who think they're perfect. And in the Christian life, there are people who think they're perfect. They think that they've made it. I have made it to perfection in following Jesus Christ. None of us will ever be perfect to the day we meet Jesus face to face. And actually, when you look at the word perfect here, it should actually be rendered more the word mature. So he's speaking to those Christians who are mature Christians, just like we have mature Christians inside this room. But all of us still have more maturing to do. None of us have arrived and none of us have made it to that perfection. But there are people who actually will feel that they've arrived. And think that they are perfect in the eyes of Christ and don't have to do anything. And you think about this, the the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, I think he had a little bit of sarcasm here when he was talking to the people of Philippi because he was talking to those who thought they were perfect or mature. And and he says, you know, he, he made it very clear that even he hadn't reached that unattainable goal in verse 13, that even he wasn't perfect. And I think it may be a little bit of sarcasm. You know, I'm speaking to you who are perfect that I haven't even accomplished yet. And he's crystal clear on it. And he tells them they just got to resume running the race. And I think that's what some of us need to hear today. We need to just resume running the race. We need to run the race and do what God called us to do. He is trying to inspire people that have fallen from the faith to get up, to get up and keep on moving. The race isn't over. The race isn't over until we meet Jesus Christ. And you think about it, he's basically saying, hey, listen, get your running shoes, put them on, get up and get back in the race. That's what he's telling them to do. Because no matter how far we fall, no matter how much we struggle, no matter what we do, that grace is still there the race is still there to be run and we just need to get up, get back up and we just need to jump back into the race. You know, and and Christians who have this attitude are the Christians that you're gonna see becoming more and more Christ-like each and every day. They're gonna be striving to be more like Christ because they stay in the race. They're not sitting on the sidelines. And, And I think if there's a right way to have a Christian living, that's it. Even when you fall, even when you're tired, even when you don't feel like it, you put on your running shoes and you get up and you continue the race. Continue to race for Jesus because none of us have arrived. None of us have arrived yet. And, and Paul tells the Philippians that they too should understand that they've got to have the right attitude for Christian living. And we as Christ followers need to have the same thing. And no matter how long you've been a Christ follower, whether you've been following Jesus for 60 years or 60 minutes, or even 60 seconds. You always got to be pressing for that greater growth. You got to be pressing to be more like Christ. You know, I I think it shows that maturity. And, you know, Jesus talks about childlike faith. And I remember when I was a kid, all I want to do is grow up. All I want to do is be more mature. I wanted to do what my older siblings were doing. I wanted to do what my older friends were doing. I wanted to grow up so, so bad I wanted to grow up. Don't y'all want to grow up? Y'all want to grow up, right? Yeah. I, I want to get older. I want to get more. I want to be able to drive. I want to be able to go on dates. I want to be able to do all these different things. And then I got older. What I would give to go back to be young again. <laughs> And even where I'm at today, I still haven't arrived. I still have maturing to do. And I think that's really what Paul's looking at here is we're going to continue to grow. And with that childlike faith, you want to mature. You want to continue to to do more and more. And then what happens is when we start doing more and more, when we become these mature Christians, we stop. We get rid of that childlike faith. We actually feel that we have arrived and we, I've reached my goal. I'm a mature Christian. There's still more to learn. There's still more to do. None of us have arrived, and I think we get caught up with thinking that we've arrived, thinking that we're there. You know, and it's interesting. I heard an illustration one time about working with God, and because of God's grace, it's kind of like someone who walks a tightrope or does trapeze, you know, does that swinging on a trapeze like a trapeze artist. And they have this safety net underneath them. And even though they got this safety net underneath them, it doesn't stop them from trying to do more. They continue to work out. They continue to try more difficult exercises. They continue to try and be more artistic in what they do. Because they know if they fall, that net's there to catch them. And it's the same thing in our Christian walk. We've got God's grace, that safety net there to catch us. And sometimes we just get so complacent and we're afraid to go out on a limb or try something new or we're afraid to you know, expand on what we know because we're afraid to fall. There's a net of God's grace there to catch us. And when it catches us, it allows us to get back on the trapeze and get back into the game and continue to run continue to move forward. Instead, we try and be easygoing and, well, I know I can do this and I won't fall or fail, so I'm good. We've got to take it to the next steps. Don't be afraid to fall. Don't be afraid to fail in your Christian walk. The more you do it, the more you're going to fall. The more you're going to fall, the more God's grace is going to be there to lift you up, Put your running shoes back on and keep moving forward. We've got to keep going forward. Think think about this. Did any of your children, whether born in your family, adopted, or even stepchildren, did any of your kids have to earn your love? Did they have to earn a place in the household? Did did it require them to do anything to earn your love? No, of course not. It doesn't. It didn't take anything for them to earn your love. We love them because they're ours. We've all been adopted into God's family. All of us, as messed up as we are, we've all been adopted into God's family. There's nothing we can do to earn more of his love. There's nothing we can do to get less of his love. He loves us exactly for who we are. And some of us are trying to earn his love and we can't earn his love. His love is there, it's our job to accept his love. You think about it in our lifetime, I remember the kids growing up on the refrigerator, we had a list of chores these are your weekly chores, need to get them done. How How many had chores for their kids? Everyone made them do chores? How many had chores as a kid? That's probably even a bigger hand. Okay. So I had it listed there and they had to do their chores. And if they didn't do their chores, guess what? They didn't get to do their extracurricular activities. Now my kids never came up to me and said, well, dad, I'm in this family by grace, not works. They would have got a swift hand across the butt. But at the same time, I would have told them you're exactly right. You're, not here, you're here because of grace, not works. But there's still work to do. And if you're going to be part of this family, there's work to do, and you've got to do work. So guess what? Here's your chores. Go get them done. And if you don't get your chores done, I'm going to punish you for it. Now, thank God God doesn't punish us for not getting work done. However, as children of God, we have chores to do. We've got work to do each and every day. You know, and, and we can't sit there and, you know, and I think it's very possible even in this room, people may be saying, oh, well, I'm, I did my chores. I'm done. I did my chores. I'm just going to sit back and let God speak to me, and, and that's all I'm going to do. I don't need to do anything else. I'm good. I don't need to serve anymore. I've done my share. Don't listen to that. (laughs) I think God may be telling you this morning there's still more to do. He ain't done with you yet. You're still on this earth, you're still breathing, there's still blood pumping through your veins. He is not done with you yet. There's still more to be done. There's way more to be done. We need to continue to move. We need to continue to mature and continue to seek him in everything that we do. Paul then goes on, he starts to talk about pressing on, uh, pressing on and moving forward, not looking at what's behind. And here he's making that reference almost to a farmer putting his hands on the plow. And it's kind of a reference to Luke chapter 9, verse 62, which says this, But Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You see, Paul understand what carrying the cross of Jesus was about. It's not about looking back. Verse 12 actually says, not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Jesus Christ. He's he's grabbing hold and he's moving forward. He's not looking back. And you think about it, if you ever grab a plow and you're walking and you start looking back or anything, even if you're cutting your grass and you start looking back, which way do you start going? You start veering off course because you're looking back. We need to be looking to what's ahead, not what's behind us. And this morning I'm asking you, do you understand the cost? Do you understand, truly understand the cost of following Jesus Christ? Do you truly understand it? Because we need to understand this morning that God's laid hold of us as believers. God has laid hold of us. He has reached out. He has grabbed us. He didn't just come in and, and say, you know, now you're saved and you're safe. He's grabbed hold of each one of us who are Christ's follower. He has laid hold of us. And understand that when he grabbed hold of us, it doesn't mean that we can't run. Because all of us at one time or another has ran. But what it does mean is you can't outrun his grace. You can't outrun that love that he has for you. And his grace in his arms are always going to be able to reach out to grab you and pull you back to him. Amen. Because that's how much he loves us. He has grabbed hold of us. I want to grab a hold of him as hard as he has grabbed a hold of me. I want to do everything in my life for what he's done for me. And the more I can do in this life and the more I can get people to know him, the better this world's going to be. And I want to be a hold of him. He loved me enough that he sent his son to die for me. And I'm going to do everything in the power while I got a breath and blood going through my vein to work for him. And do what he's called us to do. He laid hold of us, and I want to lay hold of him because each of us still have work to do. We've got to run this race. You haven't arrived. Paul talks about forgetting what's behind. And I believe he tells us to forget what's behind because it is that distraction. You know, like I said, if you're pushing a lawnmower and you look back, anything you're pushing, you look back, you're going to veer in the wrong direction. It becomes a distraction in your life. And I think we have distractions. We have distractions here within this church. We have distractions in our life. And I've heard some of them here, well, you know, pastor, I led this guy to Jesus 20 years ago. Praise God. I'm glad you led him to Jesus 20 years ago. Well, pastor, we did it like this, or we've done this, or we've done this. That's all great. You keep saying, we have done. How about we have conversations where you never, ever say, this is how it used to be? Think about that. Can you have a conversation and not say, well, this is how it used to be, or this is how it was always done? Because as soon as you're doing that, you look into the past. And then you're going up with something. Well, this is how it's always been like. That's the only way it can be done. And it becomes a distraction. When you look back, I'm just going to ask you a simple question. As you're looking back in this way, it's always been done. This is what we always do. What have you done lately? What have you done lately for Jesus? And honestly, answer that question. What have you done lately? Anything? Anything at all. Because that's the reality check. Are you still running the race or are you sitting on the sideline? And maybe it's time to pick up your running shoes, put them back on and get back inside the race. Because if you ain't done nothing for him lately and you're still talking about everything from the past, are you really in the race? Or do you think you've arrived? Do you think you're perfect? I'm there, I don't need to do anything else. Jesus ain't done with any of us. And some of us have chose to sit on the sidelines. Paul talks about reaching forward, reaching forward to get the prize, you know, reaching towards the end of it. And, and, and this is the imagery he's talking about right here. This is the imagery. It is a runner. And we've all seen this, especially in track and field. As the runners come up to the line, what they do, they lean their chest forward, their hands are back, they're leaning, giving everything to move forward to get to that goal, to get to that prize. You can't do that if you're sitting down. If you're sitting on the sidelines, you can't strive for that. You can't strive to get to the end. You can't make it and get into that position if you're sitting down. You've got to be up. You've got to be moving. You've got to be going forward. And that's the imagery that Paul's asking us to strive for. Every single believer striving for the end, striving for the gold, striving for that prize that's what we're called to do. That's where we should be. Realize that you're not perfect. And guess what? It's okay not to be perfect because the only perfect person ever to be on this earth was Jesus Christ himself. And none of us are Jesus. Now we try and be Jesus with skin on, but we're still not Jesus. We can become more Christ-like in everything that we do. But if we're sitting and not doing anything, are we really being Christ-like? And are you going to hear the words at the end, well done, my good and faithful servant? Or are you going to, Lord, I've done all of this in your name. Depart from me, I do not know you. Some people are sitting on the sideline thinking that they got a free ticket into heaven. We've got to be in the race. We've got to be doing what Jesus called us to do. And this week, I tell you, think about this. Consider making a list of kingdom chores. Kingdom to-do list. Kingdom tasks to be done each day. And each one of us probably has a to-do list or things we've got to do. Hey, you can even put your kingdom chores on your grocery list. While I'm at the grocery store, I got these kingdom chores I got to do. Make a list of kingdom chores. Make a list of to-do lists, things that you know you need to do. Is there someone you need to talk to about Jesus? Is there maybe someone you need to pray for? Is there something you need to do, some type of kingdom chore, and put that list where you can see it and start striving for that prize. Understand, the prize is not streets of gold. The prize is not seeing Jesus face to face. That comes through salvation. The prize is being more like him every day. That's the prize, to be Christ-like each and every day. That's the prize we have. And yes, we're saved by grace, not by works, but if, if you are saved and Jesus gets a hold of you and God's got that hold of you, you're gonna wanna work for him. You're going to want to do his works, and it's not about being a slave. It's going to be out of that joy of seeing other people's lives transformed through him. Just the way he transformed your life. Taking it, moving it out there, going forward. And there are some of you that I know do this faithfully. You'll have a God conversation with an aunt if it wants to talk back to you. I know, I know Tracy will talk to anyone about Jesus. I've been there when he's done it. Waitress heard it a hundred times. He's still talking to her about Jesus. <laughs> we should be joyful. We're part of God's family. Be joyful doing what God's called us to do. And I think together, if we work at it, we can totally affect this community. We can affect our own lives. We can affect this church. Because remember, we don't do it to work to earn acceptance, it's not about it, earning acceptance into heaven. Because that's not something that we can lose. You accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You live your life for him. You're not going to lose that. But when we get to heaven and we have that crown, that imperishable crown that we lay at the feet of Jesus, Because we tell him this was all for you. This is what I did for you. What's your crown going to look like? Is it going to have cobwebs on it? Or are you going to be talking about, well, I used to do this? Well, you know, 20 years ago, I led this person to Jesus. I'm good, I'm perfect. If you're thinking like that, you need to come up and give it back to God today because, like I said, no one's perfect. We all still have work to do. We are all still maturing Christians. Some of us are more mature than others, but we're still maturing. We still have work to do, and I encourage you, get back in the race. Put your running shoes on and get back in the race. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of failing. When you fail, you grow. And if you're not failing, are you really growing? And you know, maybe you're sitting here and saying, you know, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. And it's a whole lot. And Jesus, in the Word, it tells us that we all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. So you ain't got to worry about being perfect. Because like I've said, if anything you learned today, we're never going to be perfect till we meet Jesus. So you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. But it says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the beginning. That's the beginning of putting them running shoes on. Accepting him as your Lord and Savior. But then you've got to run that race. You got to do what he's called you to do and go out there and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, making disciples of all nations. That's what we're called to do, to be more Christ-like each and every day. That's what we're called to do. That's our race. So if you haven't accepted Jesus and you want to do that today, you can come up during this final song. I'll be off to the side. We can go ahead and talk about it. A Pray prayer of salvation and welcome you to the family. Or maybe you just need to come up here and say, you know, my running shoes have cobwebs on them. They're stuck in the back of my closet. And ask the Lord to give you the strength to get back in the race, to get back up and start running again. What we did in the past is great, but we can't hang our laurels on what we did in the past. What have you done for your Lord and Savior lately? What have you done lately? If you have to answer a question or begin a comment with, this is how it's always been done or this is what I've done in the past, you're wasting your conversation. This is what I just did for Jesus. This is what Jesus is doing in my life. Make that change in your life today and run the race. Run the race for Jesus. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you. We thank you that you invited us in. As messed up and as jacked up as we are and how imperfect we are, you accept us into your family. Lord, you provide us that safety net of your grace for when we fail, you will catch us, pick us back up so we can continue to move on. And Lord, we all know that there's work to do. There's work in this city that needs to be done. And Lord, I ask that you send us to do it. Make us put on our shoes and start running the race for you. And Lord, if there's someone here who's not running that race, Lord, I just ask that you you convict them, Lord, and and open up their eyes to see what you have for them. Because Lord, what you have is so much better than sitting on the sideline. The future is so much bigger than what we see. And Lord, open our eyes to your vision and to what you want done instead of what we want done. And Lord, we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.